What an awesome thought that one day you and I are going to be at the feet of Jesus. Do you realize that? People have a lot of ideas or say a lot of things as to what they're going to say when they see the Lord. I don't have a clue. I think I'm going to be so overcome that I won't know what to say. But one day that's going to be true. Well, we've been looking at some supernatural heroes from Scripture. We began with Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch was a man who walked with God. That he was a man who walked with God, and then the Scripture says that he was translated, that he was no more because God took him. And then we looked at Joshua, who was a great military leader who conquered the city of Jericho. And today we're going to look at Amram and Jochebed. Now you might say, but I don't know who they are. And that could be true, but you do know who their children are. The scripture says in Exodus 6.20, And Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. So these are the parents of Moses and Aaron. And this inauspicious couple teaches us something about walking with God or trusting in God. So I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. There are three or four things I want you to see with me this morning. The first is the believer sees through eyes of faith. Now, I mentioned to you recently that there are two types of vision available to us. There is physical vision with which we see the physical world, and then there is faith vision. The problem that we have with physical vision is that it deteriorates as we get older. As time goes by, we begin to have some difficulty in seeing as sharply or as clearly as we once did. For instance, I did not wear glasses until I was 42 years old. I noticed that I was having some difficulty reading the commentaries and my text and so forth, and so I was scooting my books around, and so one day I thought, 
I think that your eyesight is not as good as it was because I couldn't read. So I went to the optometrist and as I sat there he examined me and then he said, uh, how old are you, 42? And I said, yes, how did you know that? He said, because you're right on target for a man 42. And then he began to tell me how that as time goes on that our vision tends to deteriorate. So when I came to pastor here at First Baptist Church, I had just begun wearing glasses. My tendency was to forget that I was supposed to wear glasses, and so I would leave them somewhere and go off without them. I hadn't been here very long until I was asked to speak at some meeting at Trinity Episcopal. So I went down hurriedly to speak, and when I got there, I took out my Bible, and I realized I had not brought my glasses. And the light was not quite as bright, which did not help me, and so I begin trying to read my text, and I'm stumbling over words, thinking to myself as I am doing so, these people already think Baptists can't read, and I'm confirming it. <laughs> so now I go to Dr. Milne, and he tweaks my eyes and tells me I need a little stronger lens. So that is one of the problems that we have with our physical vision, is that it is deteriorating. It gets weak as we get older. It also is limited. My physical vision is limited to what is here now. Occasionally I will see someone and say something to them about being in church and they will say, well, I'm not going to be there Sunday, but I'll be with you in spirit. The problem is, is if you're not here, I can't see you. You may be here in spirit, but I can't see you because my physical vision is limited. It is also limited in time. I cannot see yesterday, I cannot see tomorrow, I can only see the present. So whenever we consider our physical vision, it is deteriorating, it is getting less, and it is limited. Oh, but that's not true with your faith vision. You see, through eyes of faith, our vision gets stronger. And the longer we walk with the Lord, the better we know the Lord, the stronger our vision becomes. That's the reason it blesses our hearts when Margaret Garrett sings, The longer I serve Him, the sweeter it grows. Because as you serve the Lord for a longer time, then your faith vision grows. You see better. You are able to see more accurately through your faith vision because your faith vision grows stronger. And it is not limited to what is here now. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirteen, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. The Bible says all those people there in Hebrews 11 saw through faith. They saw the fulfillment of the promises. They saw the fulfillment of their vision. How? With their physical eyes? No, with their spiritual eyes. With their vision of faith. Now, we see that Moses' parents also had faith vision. Now, look at verse number 2. And the woman conceived and bore a son... And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him, 
for three months. Now, obviously, when Moses was born, they saw him with their physical eyes, but she also saw him with her faith vision. When the Bible says that she saw him to be a beautiful child, the word beautiful literally means good. So when she looked into the face of that little boy who had just been born, she saw him as being special to God through her vision of faith. As I thought about that, I, I remembered that Linda saw Eric with her faith vision before she saw him with her physical vision. She had told me that and this was back before the sonograms and all of those things. You know, you look at the children before they're born. But she told me that we were going to have a little boy. He was going to have black hair. And God was going to call him to preach. You see, you can see some things by faith that you cannot see with your physical eyes. She had faith vision. Noah saw what was through his physical eyes, but he saw what was to come through his eyes of faith. And the scripture says in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness which is according to faith. So the scripture says then that Noah saw through eyes of faith what was to come. And as he saw through eyes of faith he prepared the ark. He did not see that physically but he saw it through eyes of faith. The scripture says that an angel came to Abraham and Sarah and announced that they were going to have a child. Well, through Abraham's physical vision, he saw that as an impossibility. I mean, after all, he's getting close to being a hundred years old. And Sarah's about 90. I mean, now he's still capable, but this woman is old now. So through his physical vision, he looked over at Sarah and said, well, this ain't going to happen. But through his eyes of faith, he saw descendants. He saw descendants being born to them. You see, ladies and gentlemen, our physical side is deteriorating. It is limited to what is here, what is now. But do you see things through eyes of faith? What about your faith vision? Is it getting stronger? You know, I sit up here and I look out over the congregation and in faith, through eyes of faith, as these little children were up here this morning, I see them coming to know Jesus as Savior. I see parents investing in them and teaching them and setting an example for them. I see Sunday school teachers who invest in them and pray for them. And I see those little children coming to know Jesus as Savior. I look out at our youth department and I see our college department. And, and, and in eyes of faith, I see the Lord calling some of you to be missionaries, to be preachers, to be ministers. That God is going to do something in your life that can only be seen through eyes of faith. 
So as we begin to look at life through eyes of faith, we are not limited and it is only growing stronger. The believer sees through eyes of faith and then that faith leads to a supernatural adventure. When the believer begins to look at life through eyes of faith, God gets involved. I'm not sure that God gets involved much when we only see what we can do. But when we begin to see what God wants us to do, it is then that God gets involved. Now then, I believe that when we see God's vision through eyes of faith, then we begin to develop a plan to cause that vision to become a reality. So I look back here at chapter 1, verse number 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born, you are to cast into the Nile. And every daughter, you are to keep alive. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Now their normal desire was to protect their son, because Pharaoh had issued a decree that all the male children were to be killed. So it is natural, it is normal for a parent to want to protect the child. They saw that he was special to God. And so they developed a plan to hide the baby. Now, folks, do you realize how hard that is? Have you ever tried to hide a baby? You can't hide a baby. I mean, when one's in church, everybody here knows it before the service is over. You just can't hide a baby. So it says to me, then, they had a meticulous plan as to how they were going to hide this child from Pharaoh. They had a plan to bring to reality what she had seen through eyes of faith. Elijah and the prophets had a, had a vision. They saw through eyes of faith that they needed to build a school. And so they developed a plan to cause that to be a reality. In Second Kings chapter 6, verse number 2, Please let us go to the Jordan, and each of us take from there a beam, and let us make a place there for ourselves. Now that was the plan that they had, that the vision might become a reality. They planned for total participation. They said, let each of us go. Let's all get involved in this. So they, they planned for participation, and then they planned for the resources. They said, let everybody, each of us, take a beam. So they had the vision, the faith vision. They saw through eyes of faith a school being built, and then they made a plan that would bring it to reality. First Baptist Church has always been people who see through eyes of faith. Uh, our plan, as you know, is that we are going to remodel the Lindsay Building and pay off the debt, but our vision through eyes of faith, what do we see through eyes of faith? What do we see? We see, as we do that, that we have the freedom to seek after God, to follow after God, the resources to do what He tells us to do and to do it. That's exciting to me through a vision of faith. Faith develops a plan and then faith works the plan. They had a plan. They were going to hide the baby and the Bible says that they hid the baby. They acted on what they believed to be true. God had given to them this vision 
And then they acted on the vision that they believed. Elijah did the same thing. The scripture says, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. So they had a vision then that they were going to build a school. They had a plan as to how they were going to bring it about. And then the Bible says they cut down the trees. Someone always has to cut down the trees. Our vision, you've heard some about it, you'll be hearing more about it, but our vision is that we really want to be in a position so that we can seek the Lord. God, what do you want to do through us? What do you want to do through us? Our plan for that vision is that we remodel Lindsay and pay off the debt, and if we paid off our debt, that would give us about seven, eight hundred thousand dollars more a year that we can use in ministry and missions. I spend a lot of time thinking about that. What would, what will happen? That we have the resources to be able to say, God, what do you want to do here at First Baptist Church and to respond to that? How exciting that thought is. Now, the action is that we make a commitment. And that's what you'll be asked to do next month. On March the 16th, we'll ask our leaders, our Sunday school teachers and directors and all of those people, our deacons, all those on committees and so forth. We'll ask those people to make their pledges on March the 16th, and then the church will do so on March the 25th, believing that if we all see through eyes of faith, we have a plan, and we commit ourselves to it, then we'll be able to do what we believe God has put in our heart. So we see through eyes of faith, which leads us to a supernatural adventure. But the adventure requires courage. And that's probably the reason most of us do not go on an adventure with God. Moses' parents embraced the adventure with God. Pharaoh had given the edict that all the male Hebrew children were to be killed. They acted in courage as they stood in opposition to Pharaoh. You understand whenever they decided that they were going to hide their baby, that they jeopardized their own lives. They jeopardized their lives to protect the life of their son. And that took courage. An adventure with God always requires courage. Uh, folks, um, if it's business as usual, if we just do what, what we do, it doesn't require much courage. never has. But if we go on an adventure with God, it requires courage because you always go against conventional wisdom. You know that Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to death and many there be which go in thereat. He said, narrow is the way which leads to life and few there be that find it. And so in an adventure with God, you're on a narrow path. And as a result of being on a narrow path, that means you are always going to have opposition, and that will require courage. I look at the story of Elijah when he went against the prophets of Baal. There were hundreds of prophets from Baal. There was one Elijah. And Elijah stood there on Mount Carmel with great courage, with great vision, Saying, God, I have trusted you, I pray to you. I ask that you reveal yourself to them, that you and you alone are God. And he called down fire from heaven. But that called for great courage. Elijah responded with courage. 
It took courage for the disciples to stand for Jesus when they were told, don't speak in his name anymore. And Simon Peter then responded, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. They said to the disciples, the authority said to the disciples, don't speak in his name anymore. Peter said, we have to tell what we know. That took courage. Folks, it takes courage for us to stand up for God when others don't. It takes courage to face opposition. It takes courage to face death. I've had several deaths in our church, and I was thinking about that, the courage that it takes to face death. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul faced death by saying, I fought a good fight, kept the faith, finished my course. Therefore, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Peter had courage when he was called upon to die. And I guess one of the reasons that I bring that up is because I wonder if I'm going to have any courage when it's time for me to die. Do you wonder that? Peter, who denied the Lord, legend says that when he was called upon to die, insisted that he be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified as his Lord. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as he faced death, said, For me, this is the beginning of a new life, eternal life. He died as a very young man. Diane Scott sent me a story about Tony Dungy, who is the coach of the Colts, who just won the Super Bowl. Wonderful Christian man. And he had given his testimony, and his son, I think last year, had committed suicide and and uh, someone asked him how he was able to get back to his team so quickly after that death. And he said, well, a, a man was talking to him, and, and this man said, Tony, you believe the Bible, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, you believe in heaven, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. He said, knowing what you know about heaven, would you ask your son to come back if you could? And he said, knowing about heaven what I know, I would not. But there's still pain. But he said, pain's a good thing. He said, I have another son, and he does not feel pain. And he said, so we have to watch him because he can hurt himself. He said he likes cookies, and so he might go to the oven and pull down the oven and reach in if there are cookies cooking and get hold of the pan and pull them out and burn himself and then take a cookie that is hot and eat it and burn his tongue. He said, pain is good because it protects us oftentimes and teaches us oftentimes. See, it takes courage, folks, and it's not always easy. There's pain that is involved. It takes courage to face death. It takes courage to dream. A young doctor had gone to John Dewey as he was approaching his 90th birthday, and he shared his low opinion of philosophy with Dewey. The doctor said, what's the good of such claptrap? Dewey replied, the good of it is that you climb mountains. And the doctor said, climb mountains, and what's the use of doing that? And Dewey said, you see other mountains to climb. You come down, climb the next mountain, and see others to climb. When you are no longer interested in climbing mountains to see other mountains to climb, life is over. I pray that God will never get me and never allow me to come to the place where I don't want to climb a mountain. I might have to do it with crutches or with a cane, 
but I hope I spend all my life climbing mountains. You see, as I look at this passage of Scripture, we see through eyes of faith, and faith leads us to an adventure with God, and that adventure requires courage, and that courage results in victory. Moses' parents believed that Moses was special. They hid him to protect him. And then the Bible says in verse number 9, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. I, I think that is a funny verse of Scripture. And I'll tell you why. To protect the child, they put him in the basket. Pharaoh's daughter, they're trying to protect him from Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter found him. And then Pharaoh's daughter paid the mother to take care of him, and it was her child. Chockybed had the opportunity to educate her boy. And later when he went to the University of Egypt, he was so grounded that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that he rejected the palace of Pharaoh to be with the people of God. Parents, that should be an encouragement to you who have students in college. Parents, that should say something to you who have little children. Educate them in such a way that when they go to the university, that they still are grounded and want to be with the people of God. I would say to you today to see through eyes of faith, and faith will lead you on a supernatural adventure with God that will require courage on your part, but it will be worth it. It was Robert Kennedy who said some people see things as they are and ask why. I see things that never were and ask why not. I want you to be a why not people. Why not? Why can't God use your life in a remarkable way? Why can't God use you to make a difference in this world? Why not? Why can't God do something extraordinary and supernatural with you? It is my belief that if you see through eyes of faith, and you go on an adventure with God in courage that God will use you in ways that you have never dreamed. And I pray that you will. Why not? Father and God, I pray that we might see things as you see them. Not content simply to see the way that things always have been. Not content, Lord, to let someone else. But may we see through eyes of faith and join an adventure with you. Father, I pray that for some it will begin today as they commit their lives to Christ as Savior. I pray that some will join the adventure with us here at First Baptist and put their lives here with us. But Lord, help us to see through eyes of faith and ask the question, why not? Why not? I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
In just a moment, we will stand. The choir will sing. The invitation is extended to trust the Lord to join the church. But will you today, some of you today, begin an adventure with God right here, right now? Why not? Today, begin your adventure with God as you come. Stand with me, please, as the choir sings as they sing. I'll greet you as you come.